Sketch 18 of Zorro Boys at Home and Abroad, or How to Succeed. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Christopher Most. Zorro Boys at Home and Abroad, or How to Succeed by William Alexander McKay. Sketch 18. Thomas Oliver, M.P. The late Thomas Oliver was born in the parish of Kildonian, Sutherland, Scotland, in the year 1820. The family consisted of five, three sons and two daughters. Of these, Thomas was the eldest, and after the good old custom was named after his father. Adam Oliver, of Woodstock, is the only member of the family still surviving. While very young, the Oliver family moved from Kildonian to the parish of Farr. Here there was no school within twelve miles, but Mr. Oliver, senator, with two other neighbors, built a schoolhouse of turf and hired a teacher, and in this humble abode of learning Thomas Oliver got his primary education. Old Mr. Oliver, being a shepherd, moved from place to place, until finally he settled for some years in the parish of Laird, Sutherlandshire. By dint of close application and perseverance, Thomas by this time had picked up education enough to enable him to teach school, which he did for two years. Then, in October, 1840, the whole family crossed the Atlantic, and after enduring the usual hardships and privations of emigrants in those days, settled down on Lot 20, Concession 8, West Zora. Thomas, now twenty years of age, taught for two or three years in the Little Log Schoolhouse, north of Braemar, on John Calder's farm. Mr. Oliver's ambition, however, was in the direction of commercial pursuits, and having determined to relinquish the schoolroom, he entered the large dry-goods establishment of the late W. C. MacLeod, Woodstock. His success as a salesman, together with the confidence inspired in his employer by strict integrity and a faithful discharge of his duties, brought their reward. He was sent on several occasions across the Atlantic to make the foreign purchases, and after several years of faithful service, he secured a partnership in this prosperous business. In 1857, he opened an establishment of his own, near the corner of Dundas and Vansittart Streets, and this he conducted successfully until 1868, when it was bought by Messrs. Shell and Clark, Mr. Oliver having determined to give up business, owing to the public responsibilities which he had in the meantime assumed. For many years he was an extensive and popular wool merchant on the market in Woodstock, when wool was selling at forty cents a pound. Although engrossed in the duties and cares of a large business, Mr. Oliver found time to give considerable attention to public matters, for which he evinced a strong liking and remarkable aptitude. His first municipal office was attained in 1859, when he entered the town council from which he passed as reeve to the county council, and then to the warden's chair, a position which he reached in 1866. He was at intervals a member of the public and high school boards of the town, and in all these positions proved himself able and efficient. In 1857 he was married to Marilla, daughter of John Clark, East Oxford. Mr. Oliver had not been long in Woodstock before he began to take an interest in politics, his sympathies being strongly with the Reform Party, like those of so large a majority of his fellow Scotchmen in Canada. At that time, party lines were very tightly drawn, and the issues of the hour were discussed more frequently and with much greater warmth than at the present time. Nor were there, perhaps, in all Oxford at that day so many political discussions as among the groups of intelligent and decidedly pronounced politicians who were wont to gather about Eden's Corner, adjacent to the Oliver store, and who sometimes held public debates in the old courthouse. In these, Mr. Oliver was always prominent, and thereby doubtless developed some of that political ability and those aspirations which subsequently led to his candidature and election in the North Riding of Oxford. It was in the political contest between Mr. Alexander of Woodstock and Mr. Cohen of Waterloo as candidates for the Legislative Assembly of Canada in 1858 that Mr. Oliver appeared prominently for the first time. The contest was, to a certain extent, one between the two divisions of the then great Gore electoral district of Oxford and Waterloo. 
and it was perhaps on this account that mr oliver warmly espoused the cause of his neighbor mr alexander for whom along with many other reformers he labored with energy and very effectively throughout the campaign from this time forward he was generally regarded as a probable candidate for parliament and when a vacancy occurred in eighteen sixty six by the death of the late hope f mackenzie in the representation of the riding for the canadian assembly mr oliver opposed the nominee of the reform convention dr d clark of princeton being dissatisfied with the association's constitution and action he was elected by a decisive majority as he always was at every subsequent election to the house of commons when opposition was offered him on two occasions sixty seven and seventy two mr oliver was returned by acclamation throughout the whole of his parliamentary career which was creditable to himself and satisfactory to his constituents he remained a staunch liberal and his attachment to the party and the party's principles grew more pronounced with each year in the stirring events and trying conflicts which preceded the fall of the conservative government in seventy three mr oliver took a keen and active interest and on mr mackenzie's assumption of office he extended to the new government a cordial and enthusiastic support a man of the people himself his sympathies and influences were naturally always accorded to such measures of legislation as were calculated to enlarge their liberties and to maintain their rights his ability in debate and his invariable courtesy alike to friend and opponent secured for him always the respectful attention of the house and few of its members during the fourteen years which mr oliver represented the riding have been more popular in his later political campaigns mr oliver gave his services freely on behalf of his friends in the many constituencies of western ontario he possessed a thorough knowledge of public affairs was a ready speaker moderate in the expression of his views and their qualifications and these along with his fine manly appearance and winning presence made him a welcome and popular campaigner wherever he went as Mr. Oliver's pastor for some years, the author has been the most pleasant remembrance of him. Kind-hearted, genial, hopeful, no minister could wish a better friend. At midnight, on Tuesday, November ninth, 1880, the end came with terrific suddenness, and I do not know that I can close this article better than with a few sentences quoted from the sermon I preached on the occasion of his funeral. In the words we have just read, Luke 12, 34-40, Death is spoken of as a thief coming in the night, suddenly and unexpectedly seldom has this truth been more strikingly and mournfully illustrated than in the unforeseen sudden and painful loss which along with multitudes throughout the dominion we to-day deplore we are stunned bewildered and we find it almost impossible to believe that he with whom we so lately associated is now with us no more one day we saw him active vigorous genial and cheerful but at midnight the cry came and the next day we beheld him cold in death last sabbath evening as i observed him listening so attentively to the truth while i was showing from providence and from the word of god the shortness and uncertainty of human life the vanity of earthly treasures and the wisdom of laying up treasures in heaven little did i think that my dear friend thomas oliver would within a few hours illustrate these truths in presence of the honored dead before us how vividly do we realize that health is but an empty name life a troubled dream and worldly position a fleeting meteor high and low learned and unlearned rich and poor all are hastening to a common goal some go a little before and the rest are sure to follow after john outruns peter to the sepulchre but peter is not far behind him we are not here to-day to praise the dead it is not necessary when the future historian writes the history of this country and chronicles the political events of the last thirteen years the name of thomas oliver will not be forgotten large in his views thoroughly sincere in his desire to advance the interests of his constituency and the welfare of his country honest in his convictions and fearless in the maintenance of them he occupied a prominent and influential position in the parliament of our dominion 
since the sad intelligence of his death flew with lightning speed throughout the length and breadth of our land public men on both sides of politics have vied with each other in bearing the most unqualified testimony to his many excellent qualities of head and heart no legislator in the country stood higher in the esteem of his constituents this has been time and again demonstrated and although for well nigh forty years he lived and labored in this town and country as a public man daily coming in contact with persons of all classes and all shades of opinion it is safe to say that he died leaving not a personal enemy behind him and never has the tongue of slander found anything to whisper against his private or public moral character there are few in the county with whom he was not personally acquainted and who did not esteem him as a friend diffident and retiring in his disposition he was not in religious matters so demonstrative as some could have wished but a good cause always found in him a sympathizing friend his place in the house of god was seldom if ever vacant on the sabbath morning or evening except when he was absent from home he has been taken from us in the midst of his years and usefulness this congregation where he worshipped for so many years will miss him the whole dominion will miss him but most of all his own family will miss sorely miss him wise beneficent generous as he was in public life it was yet in the bosom of his family that the many kind amiable qualities of his heart chiefly displayed themselves but we must not lacerate anew hearts that are already bursting with sorrow by dwelling upon the virtues of the husband and parent the sorrow of this desolate home to-day is too sacred for us to intrude into further than to assure the sorrowing ones of the profound sympathy of the community at large and to commend them to him who is the husband of the widow and the father of the fatherless sorrowing ones have faith in god he doeth all things well clouds and darkness are round about his throne but righteousness and truth go before his face what he doeth thou knowest not now but thou shalt know hereafter be ye therefore ready also for the son of man cometh at an hour when ye think not it may be added that mr oliver left behind him a widow a son and two daughters the widow and the son have now joined him where parting is unknown and only the two daughters survive these are Mr. Chaz Clay of Minneapolis and Mr. John McCoon of Toronto. End of Sketch 18 Thomas Oliver, M.P. Read by Christopher Most